Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, this is Nick here. Really excited to bring on a special guest to preview the Sugar Bowl matchup with Ohio State. Uh, we've got Chris coming on from uh, the former Clemson website, Clemson Paws, uh, to break down this matchup. So really excited. Thanks to Chris for uh, coming on. Uh, we will be back, normal podcast duties, uh, to recap the Sugar Bowl and look ahead to the national title game matchup with wh whichever teams make it to that game uh, next week. So stay tuned for that. And we hope to have Dozer on as well to break down Alabama's season. So uh, thanks for everyone tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined today by Chris. Uh, Chris, thanks for coming back. Uh, longtime friend of the show. Chris used to write over at Clemson Paws, uh, now defunct Clemson uh, website. Um, and Chris used to do stats over there. So thanks for coming back, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. I mean, it should be a lot of fun. Um, and we're finally into the big game season. So we had a great game against Notre Dame. And I think we'll have a great game against Ohio State too. Yeah, it's really been a little bit of a you know, fight for the season environment since that ACC title game, which was kind of a welcome change to past ACC titles. Um, any parting thoughts from the two Notre Dame matchups and really that Notre Dame game before we get into this Sugar Bowl matchup with Ohio State? Um, well, yeah, just a few. I mean, a lot went wrong in the first Notre Dame matchup. I mean, apart from all the turnovers and Trevor Lawrence being out, like, I think – it's easy for people on ESPN to say Trevor Lawrence was out. That wasn't Clemson's best team, but missing Tyler Davis, like James Skalski, Mike Jones, and then all the players who got hurt in the second half. Um, I mean, by the end of the game, we're playing our second string defense. So, I mean, that was really the tail of that game. And, and you saw the Clemson, Clemson switch to like championship phase. You saw them playing at their best with the first string defense, with Trevor Lawrence willing to run the ball. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Clemson has flipped that switch. They're going for a national championship. And I, I think we'll see the best version of Clemson on Friday. Couldn't agree more. Uh, also good just for really college football fans everywhere to not see Notre Dame win a conference title in their only conference year. That's right. And they sound so defeatist already, right? So I think they're like a 29-point underdog to Alabama. And it's just like, they, they know it. No one's talking about the Alabama, like Notre Dame game. Everyone's talking about Clemson, Ohio State. I feel like they were pretty defeatist going into the first Clemson matchup also. And you, you mentioned a little bit the circumstances that allowed them to, you know, win that game or steal that game. But um, maybe, I mean, you could see that locker room very much feeling like no one believes in us, including our fan base and not playing right. them. And I mean people are playing up like the history of Notre Dame and BCS games and playoff games right. way too much. Like what happened eight years ago, five years ago, it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, so from that standpoint, I get it, but like Alabama is a tough draw. Yeah. And it, I'm not sure if it's a good matchup for them. Definitely not. Like Ian book in a shootout. Like it's really going to, they they're, they're going to have to put up over 40 to compete in that game. And, and I thought Ian book played really well in, in both games. 
Um, so maybe, I mean, Alabama's defense isn't what we're used to seeing. So this isn't like a dominant defense like we saw in 2015 or 2016. Um, I think Alabama might be able to score some points. Um, I do, are they going to be able to stop Alabama? That's a different question. So, so maybe not. Right. Um, but would I be willing to take the over on, on 30 points? I don't, I don't think so. I would, that, that's, a, that's a big spread. Yeah, huge spread. Um, Bama's covered some big ones this year, but Notre Dame is definitely better than the SEC uh, outside of Alabama this season. Yeah, and I mean, outside of Alabama, I mean, Georgia was okay. I mean, Texas A&M, like, they're a good team. But, like, the middle, mid-tier, bottom tier of the SEC, I mean, they're pretty bad this year. So Yeah, but for not, sure. And, mm-hmm. But not Big Ten bad. I think the Big Ten outside of Ohio State's just been awful. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. We can pivot to Clemson's next opponent here in the Sugar Bowl, Ohio State. Uh, I think this is the matchup most college football fans wanted to see. I know Ohio State fans did heading into, you know, coming out of the bad taste in their mouth from last year's Fiesta Bowl. They wanted that revenge game in the rematch, and they're going to get it. How we got here, a little bit different than everyone assumed. They only played six games. They needed their league to make a concession on a policy to even get them into the conference title game to, to make it this far. So much has been said, Chris, about the disrespect of Dabo's coaches poll, the whining from the Ohio State camp. We're not here to discuss that. I'd rather we focus on the matchup on the field. How do you feel about that? That sounds great to me. I, I really don't care about like where Dabo ranked them. Uh, I think it's funny what Dabo did. Um, so, I mean, I kind of get it, get his explanation, but I, I can't believe how much mileage people have gotten out of talking about it. Right. I'm ready for the news cycle to end. So we won't continue it here on the show, but uh, that sounds yeah. good. <laughs> well, um, but, you know, for, go ahead. Yeah. But getting back to like the big 10, not being up to par this year. I mean, I think there's some, there's a few reasons for that. Um, not necessarily the talent on the teams. It's like for a month, they were limited to 12 hours per week of practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a, a, at, a, at a certain point, they thought they weren't going to play the season at all. I'm sure that affected how hard the players were preparing for the season. Um, and then with their COVID protocols, they're very stringent. So I'm sure that affected their, their practice time as well. So kind of for those three reasons, they really haven't been able to live up to their talent profile overall. And then just playing six games. I mean, I, I've even this summer, I was saying that that's a big disadvantage because look where Clemson was at the beginning of the year and look at where they are now. And I think we've seen a lot of growth from Clemson over the season that Big Ten teams haven't been, haven't been able to see. Yeah, just, I mean, one more thing, just to the, the talent and the, the protocols. I mean, you, you had a lot of guys opting out. I think about Penn State, uh, when they played early on, they were without a significant you know, number of their offensive and defensive starters. So that certainly made some of those, like, you know, looked forward to matchups during the year a lot less, a lot less potent um, for a team like Ohio State to really show show themselves against Grade A talent. Um, so yeah, definitely definitely tough. But yeah, I th- that was something I actually wanted to talk about just for Clemson fans to kind of calibrate uh, through six games. Clemson had just come come off a little bit of a lackluster performance to Syracuse. Uh, we blew out Georgia Tech, handled Miami before that, but also had a little bit of struggle with Virginia. And really didn't pull that far ahead of Wake early on in the season. So I would say like there was a lot left to be desired from Clemson through six weeks of this season. 
uh, definitely saw flashes of a top, you know, top team in the country, uh, which, you know, you could kind of look at Ohio State and say, like, you know, from an eye test perspective, there were a couple games on their schedule where they handled their matchups and, you know, flashed some of that brilliance, passed a little bit of the eye test, but others where they did not. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think if you look at the Syracuse game, the Virginia game and parts of Wake Forest, you may not say Clemson was the number one team in the country either, even though we had that ranking through that stage of the season. Yeah. And I mean, Micah Parsons was out for Penn state. Um, and I think Penn state put up a fight for the Ohio state game, but after that, their season was over. They just kind of packed it in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a, a lot of the talent did sit out. I mean, the players weren't as prepared as they probably should have been. Um, so, right. So yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, just we, we can talk a little bit now about momentum. Like that was something I, w- I also wanted to discuss here was like Clemson coming off disappointment against Notre Dame. Uh, we had a little bit of the stall with not playing against Florida state that sucked. It seemed like we went, you know, Trevor Lawrence went something like six weeks between starts, uh, came back with a, a very good palate cleanser and pit um, went on the road to Virginia tech. That was kind of a hard fought game, but ultimately the talent on Clemson emerged. Uh, then we had the Notre Dame rematch. So I think Clemson is starting to click. You mentioned the championship phase. Ohio State, on the other hand, took all they could handle from Northwestern last week. So how much stock do you put into this matchup coming up just in terms of, I mean, some people, even Dabo talked about Ohio State's freshness, but I think Clemson getting sort of that last phase of the season to be able to work out some kinks, get guys healthy and really, you know, put things together. You got to say that's an advantage for Clemson here, right? Yeah, and I mean, over the course of the season, we've seen the light come on for a couple of players like Cornell Powell and Andrew Booth. And now I think after the Notre Dame game, we're, we're seeing that defensive line gel together. So we have Tyler Davis, who's back to back healthy. I mean, Miles Murphy has a full season under him. So he's, he's an excellent edge rusher. Like um, and then even um, Mescol and Henry, like they, they're getting better and better. Um, so I think the defensive line has taken a giant step forward over the course of the season. And Ohio State is, is still figuring some things out. I mean, in the Indiana game, um, I mean, they gave up a lot of passing yards in that game. Um, they let Indiana back into the game. Um, and a lot of their fans were, fans were, were questioning their secondary after that. Uh, they, you had Ryan Day going back saying we're going to take a look at our secondary it will change people around they're really defending that and now that we're getting into the playoff now that we're kind of questioning whether Ohio State belongs or not and and questioning if their secondary can hold up to Clemson and Trevor Lawrence their fan base is pivoted and and really trying to to defend it but they don't have that resume like they've had those issues all season long um and was there it's really not like the enough- Big Ten is like stud quarterbacks that are torching them, right? Like Penix is solid. Um, I don't want to take anything away from him as a passer, but you know they they were getting exposed a little bit against far worse quarterbacks than Trevor Lawrence. That's right. And Northwestern does not have a good passing game, uh, and I mean they were just turning the ball over. They they really mm-hmm. couldn't do much. If if you had a team with a decent offense, I mean that should have been that should have been a winnable game for Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Right. Like connect on a few first downs in the third quarter and you're, you're making that game a lot more difficult for Ohio state. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, just give your defense a rest to start like wearing down the opposing defense. I mean, at least give yourself a chance, but when your quarterback's just kind of throwing ducks that are getting picked off, I mean, you and fumbling the ball, you, you really can't do anything with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that definitely, you know, is one of the keys to the game we can maybe talk about when we get into this specific matchup. Maybe one more thing, macro, big picture for this Ohio State team. Uh, know your opponent is kind of the goal of this section. Like for the uninitiated Clemson fan that maybe hasn't read up too much on this Ohio State team since last year's Fiesta Bowl, they've had a lot of turnover. And some of the star players from last year who went to the NFL, Jeff Akuda, he was the corner that was blanketing Justin Ross last year. Uh, very effectively, I might add. Uh, Chase Young, you know, very effective pass rusher. And J.K. Dobbins, their star running back, have all gone on to the NFL. Um, the biggest loss, I think, though, Chris, was defensive coordinator Jeff Halfley. Um, he's now been replaced. He's Boston College's head coach. Clemson fans are familiar with him after that game this year. And um, I think just replacing what he brought from a defensive identity, he had a ton of talent, don't get me wrong. But I think just his scheme and what what they were able to do on defense last year did take Clemson out of its primary offensive weapons of you know, hitting wide receivers on the outside and running ball with the ETN. Uh, Clemson recovered. Kudos to Tony Elliott, ETN, and Trevor Lawrence for that. But um, I think Halfley moving on, you know, is a big factor that I haven't heard discussed too much about this game. Well, I mean, we're seeing what Jeff Halfley's doing at Boston College. I mean, he gave us a run for our money in that mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's, and he's off to a strong start with recruiting and getting players through the transfer portal. So I think Boston College is is going to be a good team for the foreseeable future. And so, yeah, like Ohio State is seeing a drop-off just from the coaching end of it. And to be fair, uh, to, be fair to Ohio State, their staff really didn't have a normal offseason to, to right. have with their players and kind of gel with their players as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely definitely a key factor here. So, um, And just from a returning playmaker household name standpoint, the big one, Justin Fields, their quarterback, is back. Um, he had a little bit of a up-and-down year. We'll kind of touch on him coming up here. But uh, Chris Olave, wide receiver weapon for them. Uh, Garrett Wilson, another wide out. And then on defense, uh, Sean Wade is kind of the household name uh, that we'll be looking to. Um, you know, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, just the game within the game. He was ejected last year for targeting on a hit on Trevor Lawrence. He announced he's coming back and not opting out for the season, you know, with referencing TL in his comeback video. So that's one I've been looking forward to. Uh, I think Trevor's got a little bit of a, a chip, not chip on his shoulder against uh, Sean Wade per se, but I don't, I, I think, you know, if he does get the chance to stun on him, I think he will. Yeah. Well, I think Sean's Wade dad named his dog Dabo. And then he has another dog named, named Saban. So yeah, it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> they're pretty, uh, they're pretty chippy uh, on their end. Um, and right. I think it was Sean Wade who had the targeting penalty against Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the big plays that kind of changed the outcome of the game. Um, I think that is going to be something that we need to look out for against Ohio state. I mean, they are awfully chippy again, this time they're playing off the disrespect card. I, I, I do think the players need to be careful. They need to keep their heads up because I could totally see Ohio state going head hunting or, um, not or getting dirty if, if, if they're behind or, if, or at the beginning of the game. 
yeah, the, the hope there obviously is number one health, but also number two, like not, not drawing any flags, you know, not getting into it with them, not drawing flags. And that'll be interesting to see how Ryan Day handles that. Like, is he going to want his team playing with that edge or like really pushing the limits there? Or is he going to have them back off try, to try to avoid the penalties? I seem to think that they're going to play with that edge and that they're going to mm-hmm. be looking for, for the big hit. I think you're right. Some of this stuff though, and you know, I'm trying not to get too immersed in the social media this week, but you know, a lot of it is like, has Clemson already won the psychological battle for this game with a lot of the disrespect stuff. And, you know, there, there's a point at which that edge turns into a distraction or t- turns into something that, you know, let's say you're so amped up with that. And let's say Clemson goes out to a 10 0 lead. Uh, what does that, what does that really do to Ohio state psyche at that point? Yeah. And I mean, they are talking a lot, uh, and I could totally see Ohio State, if they start falling behind, they start pressing, they could have a turnover, or things could start spiraling out of control, um, and we could see a Clemson blowout. Um, so we'll just – I think we'll know fairly quickly. I, th- I think Ohio State is going to play with that edge. They're going to try to give us their best shot within the first couple of drives. After that, things will probably settle down. So we'll, we'll have to see how those first two drives on both sides of the ball go. Yeah, and I think something that I'm sure, you know, you wanted to bring up was the absence of Nolan Turner, Clemson safety. In the first half, he was ejected against Notre Dame for targeting. They called it right, I thought, on the field, Chris, um, in the last game. But it just sucks that that rule carries over into the playoffs, but it does. So uh, no Nolan Turner. I do wonder, you know, if there's anything. And again, it's one player. I don't know that safety is going to be the make or break in this football game, especially with only a half of football, but will Clemson try to do anything from a scheme standpoint or even a a game management standpoint to limit Ohio state's possessions in the first half, knowing that Turner is going to be out. No, I I think Clemson is just going to be Clemson. I mean, they're going to do the same thing that they've been doing all, all season long. I mean, Joseph Charleston, he'll, he's the backup for Nolan Turner. He'll be in the game. He's played a lot this year. I think he's over 200 snaps for the year already. Um, so mm-hmm. he's, he's going to be ready to go. And then you have Landon Sanders um, at the other safety position. But yeah. uh, the, the thing I like about Nolan Turner is that he's very reliable. He's not super athletic. I mean, he is super athletic. All these players are super athletic. Right. But he's not like a five-star. That, he doesn't hang his hat on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He, and so we, we can go back to like Tanner Muse. That safety position is a conflict player very often in the defense. So they're going to be targeting that play, the safety position on play action. So a lot of the times the safety has run responsibilities and pass responsibilities. Um, and so you need to have a very smart safety player in order to handle that responsibility. And we saw this a lot with Tanner Muse. He was going down to the line of scrimmage for the big hit when it was a passing play. Um, we gave up a big passing play. We haven't seen that a lot with, with Nolan Turner. Um, and it's because he's a very reliable player. Yeah. And he does have a nose for the football as well. Everyone's going to remember him picking off um, Justin Fields last year to seal the game. He did have a coverage bust earlier on in that game. Definitely great to see him get that redemption. Um, and then the, the one play I think most people have in their, the front of their minds this year is um, the blown run coverage in the Notre Dame game early on um, in that matchup. But other than that, he's, he's had a phenomenal year. And um, I think he will be missed. The hope there being both Sanders and Charleston can kind of, you know, 
they will obviously be tested, but can they kind of handle that, that situation and give you at least a fraction of what Turner does? And I, I think so. I, I think the fortunate part of playing Ohio State is like so far they've, they've only only have two pass catchers. Like they're, they're really only throwing to two players, which is like Chris Alave and then Wilson as well. So I think those two have about 500 and 600 yards between them. Um, so 600 yards for uh, Garrett Wilson, 530 yards for Chris Alave. And then their third receiver has five receptions for 78 yards. So like there's a huge drop off from those two players. Um, so how they, how they, challenge all areas of the field with more than two players is going to be an interesting thing to see. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, exactly. And I, I think that could, we can maybe go into like when Ohio State has the ball, what are some wrinkles for this matchup and kind of where, what are their strengths? What are Clemson's strengths? If you want to talk about maybe the safety play for Clemson being in the first half, something they could try to expose, you do that by having like what LSU did, just tons of pass catchers, a scheme that'll get those guys open and challenge over the middle of the field doesn't seem like Ohio state that, that doesn't seem like their MO in this game. And the other weakness I think that they have um, that I think you've referenced on Twitter a bit is their pass protection in, in the offensive line. Um, Justin Fields has taken a lot of sacks this year, a lot more than he did last year on a per game basis. And um, I'll, yeah, I'll just kind of stop there and get your thoughts. No, you're, you're exactly right. So um when you see downfield crossers, like they're longer developing plays. Um, I mean, Justin Fields has a great arm. He is accurate. He has two excellent wide receivers who are, are big threats. So like they, they, they are going to get yards through the air. They are going to connect on some of those passes. Um, the fortunate thing that'll help our safeties play out is that Ohio state's offensive line isn't the best in pass protection. They're excellent at, from a run oriented standpoint but Justin Fields has a 10% sack rate, which is incredibly high. So either he holds on to the ball too long. Um, he's, he's looking for his first read. He might get to his second. Um, and then I think what we're going to see is, is him running the ball. If his first read isn't available, he might run then. If his second read's not available, he's definitely going to run after that. So our defensive line is going to need to play contain just like they did against Notre Dame. Yeah, I was going to reference the, the great job that they did containing Ian Book. You, you, know, you saw in the first quarter, he was able to get outside and sort of pick apart the Clemson secondary and linebackers in, pass, in the passing game downfield. Um, I think if you can, and look, I'd love to get your take on, you know, whether you think Justin Fields is a better quarterback at that type of game than Ian Book is, you know, having a full body of work from Book from this year to look at. But, um, you know, once Clemson sort of put an end to that and kept him in the pocket, you know, they were really able to amass a lot of tackles for loss, hurried passes, and definitely more sacks. And that's that would spell disaster for this Ohio State offense. Yeah, in, in a way, they're kind of opposite with their strengths. Like, Justin Fields is excellent in the pocket. If, if he's standing with a stable pocket, he's going to make a great throw. But he doesn't really escape the pocket and, and throw on the run like Ian Book does. So I don't think he's going to try to extend the play looking for a pass he's probably just going to, to improvise and, and run to escape the pocket and get what yards he can on the ground. But Ian Book, he's, he's actually very accurate on what, trying to escape the pocket. He doesn't have the arm strength that Fields does, 
Um, but so, so Ian Book doesn't always challenge receivers downfield. I think you're going to see fields actually throw downfield, trusting Olave and Wilson to make a catch, um, a contested catch. And so we're going to have to really pay attention. We'll, we'll, we'll have to pay attention to our cornerbacks and how well they play with the ball in the air. Yeah, I would say, obviously, we talked a little bit about the importance of a pass rush getting home. And that's going to be something that I, I think that's what to watch for as a Clemson fan in this game. But I think if you if you almost wanted to say who could be the defensive MVPs here, I think you have to look at Darian Kendrick and Andrew Booth um, and potentially Mario Goodrich if Booth is not is not playing as much. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, if our corners can hold up in coverage against Alave and Wilson, I mean, look to win big. But I mean, I expect Alave and Wilson to kind of get their fair catches. Um, we'll probably give up some busts, um, which is what we should expect. We're, we're facing a really good team. Um, I am not an Ohio State fan. I don't like Ohio State, but um, they're a great team. They have a lot of talent. I, I wouldn't say that they've really passed the eye test this year, and I wouldn't say that they've really earned it with winning six games. But just from a talent standpoint, they probably are the third or fourth best team in the country. So I think I think it'll be good. Yeah, for sure. I I also kind of subscribe to them not having earned it. That being said, I do think when I think Texas A&M got its audition and like got its chance to uh, showcase against the playoff level team what they're made of, and they lost by four touchdowns. And I'm not really sure if you would be able to consider anyone after Texas A&M for having the credential to get in. So I think a lot of it does, is wrapped up in the brand and look, this thing's a business and Ohio state brings the media, the media heat every year. So I get it. I get why they're in um, deserving, you know, who's to say. That's right. I think this is going to have a lot of recruiting implications as well. I mean, you saw Ohio state flip Jordan Hancock um, over the course of this season. I mean, they brought up, this was during the whole like, Black Lives Matter issue over the summer. Uh, right. And I, I would imagine that they played that up with how the media was going after Dabo and without people interpreting Dabo's comments. So I don't think that there's a lot of love lost between these two coaching staffs. Yeah, I, I feel like that to me is really the impetus behind what Dabo has done and what he's continued to do is the off-field stuff and the recruiting battles. Um, that have gone on for a while. I mean, we, we flipped Justin Carmen from them. Um, I'm at, I think we actually took another recruit from Ohio state where it was just down to those two teams uh, this season. Yeah. For the I don't think they were one class. I'm sure we did. Cause I mean, Ohio state's always like the big name that we're going up against. I mean, we took Bockhorst, but mm-hmm. I don't think Bockhorst had an offer from Ohio state. Um, but I mean, when you're just kind of looking at, at, a, at across our roster, I mean, they're probably one of the top teams that we normally recruit against. Yeah, but kind of getting back to your point with the pass rush, I mean, how how the defensive line handles fields is going to be really interesting because he is very good running the ball as well. Um, but you don't want to give him too long in the pocket because he will hit a downfield throw. So you're going to have to collapse that pocket and you're going to have to make sure fields doesn't escape, too. I, I think we're only going to see four or five players rushing defensive linemen and linebackers rushing the quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that we're going to see like a lot of blitzes like ab- above and beyond that, similar to how Brent Venables played N- Notre Dame. Um, you're going to see, I think Murphy, 
Davis and Brzee rushing fields. You're going to see a lot of stunts and twists. And then you're going to probably see like um, Maskell or, or Henry okay. dropping into coverage with mm-hmm. Spectre um, and Skolski blitzing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask too, if you anticipate any sort of uh, alignment changes where they'll look to get Trenton Simpson involved and get him sort of either in a spy capacity on fields or he's a tremendous pass rusher in his own right too. That's a good point. They'll probably play uh, Trenton Simpson, uh, like the left defensive end position and have him blitz or have him go after the the quarterback and then have him drop back in coverage as well. Mm -hmm. That's that's probably what we'll see. Yeah, Um, it, it is great. It's an abundance of talent on this Clemson team. And if something's not necessarily working early on, if they're able to move it, Brent Venables has the chess pieces to move around. And last year we played a lot of like three defensive fronts, three man defensive fronts playing six defensive backs Um, with, I think they had more receiving threats last year, but I mean, with, with having, having the, that many defensive backs on the field, it actually gives you kind of more room to, to blitz and it helps you to contain the run a little bit better. Um, you'll be preventing bigger plays. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some of those fronts mixed in. The question is, what does Dime look like in the first half with Nolan Turner out? Mm-hmm. Um, because he's he's been consistently one of the people in the rotation for Dime. Yeah, it could be Malcolm Green coming in, um, seeing a little bit more, more of his number. But something that, I, Chris, I think is a little bit different this year um, has to do with their running game as well. So... Uh, their lead rusher this year is Master Teague. J.K. Dobbins, he is not. And it looks like Sermon uh, transferred from Oklahoma, got a good amount of carries in that Northwestern game and really helped uh, cover up a lot of a lot of issues on their offense in that game. Uh, but th- they're, you know, make no mistake, they're not a very good running running offense. And, you know, if, if that is the strength of their O-line, um, I, I see that being something Brent Venables can quickly take away. And just it's, it's happened in the past to a lot of more potent uh, rushing attacks. Whereas last year, J.K. Dobbins was, you know, getting, getting clear, especially early on in that game until he got injured. Um, yeah, so their f- offensive line is an excellent run blocking unit. Um, I mean, I think Trey Sermon, he, he's, a good, he's a good running back. I mean, he's averaging eight yards per carry. Um, I mean, there is a drop off to Teague. Um, who's averaging five yards per carry, which actually kind of surprises me. I thought Master Teague would, would be higher than that. Um, and both have gotten the same amount of attempts, it's 84 for Sermon, 89 for Teague. Uh, and then you'll see Fields run the ball as well. He's had seven, 67 rushing attempts on this season. Um, yeah, so and, about 11, 11 per game. Yeah, which is a lot. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see him running it about 15 times yeah. um, in the game. But I mean, I think, I mean, they are good at play action. They like teams to crowd the line of scrimmage and then throw downfield. So it'll be interesting to see if, if that's what Brent Venables does, trusting our corners to hold up in coverage or if he'll provide safety help. Yeah, my, my thing is almost like I can live with them in their rushing attack doing what they do. Uh, I, would, I would prefer to try to eliminate the pass and kind of take that away. Um, you saw that with Alabama and Tua in the 2018 national title game where Alabama between the twenties and really between the tens 
uh, was getting all they wanted on the ground, uh, but really Clemson would not allow Tua to beat them through the air other than the one Jerry Judy touchdown. Um, to me, that would be a formula for success here. Now, obviously, we don't have the power Rangers up front in this game, but um, that is something, you know, yes, like I, I just, they are solid running backs, but they're not elite. And J.K. Dobbins yeah. last year was elite. I agree with that. And I mean, I think ETN is, is a better running back than either of them. I mean, yeah, no, not much question there. Right. So, so I guess, Chris, like what is a formula for Ohio State on offense to score, let's say, in the 30s? Like, what do you think 30s, needs to happen? Yeah. I think Alave just needs to dominate. I think mm-hmm. Kendrick, like Kendrick or Booth can't, can't handle him um, or can't handle both Alave and Wilson. I think those two need to have an awesome game catching the, catching the ball downfield and taking the top off the defense. And then they also need to run effectively. They need to, to run the ball and then force Clemson to crowd the box and giving Alave and Wilson one-on-one matchups. Yeah, so basically be, be a very efficient offense so then they can open up the explosive pass plays to the outside. That's right. Yeah. And, I mean, are they going to kind of throw downfield? I think they're going to take some shots on the opening drive to Alave and Wilson mm-hmm. test those matchups early. Um, and then, I mean, I think they're going to run the ball too. They're going to be a balanced, balanced offense. Yeah. Um, the, what I'm kind of expecting is for them to add a couple of wrinkles. Um, I mean, th- their tight end, um, it's Ruckert, I think. He can catch the ball. And then I think Teague and uh, and Sermon, they can they can also catch the ball. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them design some plays, trying to sneak Ruckert or Teague out um, mm-hmm. or Trey Sermon, um, just on the wheel route, trying to trying to catch Clemson off guard. I don't think Justin Fields is going to just dump the ball off to them very often. I mean, we could see a couple a couple um, passes like that. But he's, I think Fields is going to probably take his first or second read and, and try to make that throw, trusting his arm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I kind of think a lot's going to need to go wrong for them to get into the 30s here. But, um, you know, certainly can happen. So, I mean, when you look at the spread, I mean, Clemson's a seven-point favorite. The over-under is 66 points. So that's kind of a projected score of like 37 to 30. Mm-hmm. So if, if they can kind of get above that 30 mark, I mean, Clemson's, Clemson could be in trouble. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah. Why don't we flip over to when Clemson has the ball, kind of a more familiar spot for Clemson fans. Um, Ohio State on defense, I think if you want to talk about passing attack, maybe being the, um, a potential weak point due to their offensive line on when they have the ball, on the other side, you know, we already referenced Indiana racking up some yards on Ohio State secondary. They did have a number of guys leave their defensive line. Um, they still bring back some talent in the linebacker core, um, and they've got a little bit sprinkled through the secondary as well. But what is your, like, high-level narrative on the Ohio State defense this year, like what they're good at and what their weaknesses are? Their front six is built to stop the run. So we're not going to be able to rush the ball up the middle. Like they got going to be open. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, our offensive yeah. line is the focus on pass protection and they're an excellent pass protective unit. We have a good offensive line. Like we've seen bad offensive lines as Clemson fans. 
Um, I mean, pretty much from like 2007 to like 2012, um, the offensive lines weren't, weren't great. So mm-hmm. this unit is, is better than those. I mean, it, are they going to pound the ball down your throat, up the A-gaps? No, and that's not the modern game. I mean, football in the playoff areas is a passing-oriented attack. Once you get into the playoffs, you're seeing the best quarterbacks, the best receivers, and, and the best cornerbacks go at it. So that's where the game's going to be won or lost. The, getting ETN out into space with the ball I'm attacking the perimeter with ETN and then attacking all areas of the field. So the good thing about, about this Clemson team, we may not have a first round wide receiver like we have in the past, but Cornell Powell is, is he's the lights come on. He's a very good receiver. Same with Amari Rogers and then EJ Williams. I mean, he's coming along. So we're not facing Akuda out there. Their cornerbacks aren't like, aren't lockdown cornerbacks. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to com- make some completions um, and, and really stress this defense. Yeah, I, I don't know that they've faced a quarterback that is able to get out of the pocket and rush the ball as well as Trevor Lawrence has. Like, I don't think they've faced that this year either. I think they have been capable of shutting down like uh, Nebraska and Penn State and th- those type of rushing attacks, but not really seeing like more of a mobile quarterback um, move the ball too much with his legs. So that's while they are, they are a sound running defense, I think that'll also be something that'll be put to the test with what TL is able to do. Yeah, and when you have a quarterback who can throw and run like Trevor Lawrence, I mean, that's a lot to handle for defense. It's Because he's really testing all areas of the field. I mean, you're going to have Davis Allen or Brent Galloway at the tight end position, leak out uh, with some seam routes, attacking the middle of the field. Um, I mean... Amari Rogers is great as well. Same with Cornell Powell can catch the ball downfield too. Um, so really there's not an area of the field where, where, where you can't attack. And that allows you to get some number advantages and, and really kind of control, uh, control the defense. Right. It, it sets itself up well for long backbreaking drives um, and the occasional home run ball too. So um, I think we're, we're fairly confident in, what Clemson is able to do when it is firing on all cylinders, I guess, Chris, like, is there anything you've seen this defense do that makes you think they could disrupt Trevor Lawrence? Um, I mean, outside of them headhunting or going for a knee, I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be, be tough. And for that reason, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see Trevor Lawrence run the ball too much early in the game. Yeah. I mean, trust ETN, like, like a lot of our, our run pass options are like are associated with wide receiver screens as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not a sexy play, but they're generally fairly successful. Um, and it's, it's a high probability play, right? So you're having right. a 90% plus completion, right? You're getting five yards on it or more. So, I mean, you can kind of spread Ohio state out that way. Yeah. It's a proxy for the first down four yard run. If you're, yeah, that's Amari Rogers. That that's exactly right. Um, and then we'll probably see some press man coverage. Um, so we'll have to see how the wide receivers handle that. We'll have to see how many safeties Ohio State plays. If they're going to just play one, one's high safety, that means someone else is going to be one on one. And so if uh, if we can actually hold up in pass protection, there should be some downfield shots available. 
Yeah. Uh, very good. And I guess like, do you feel like the, I almost feel like the, um, the emotional aspects is going to bear, bear its head here on Ohio State defense um, early on. You mentioned a little bit potentially head hunting or some after the play extracurricular stuff. Um, I think this is going to be where leadership on this offense is going to be important, um, you know, just to keep, you know, no penalties, take your penalties, but keep your head up and not necessarily open yourself up to that, that hard hit. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I think they'll be prepared for it. I mean, they, they know what to expect. So, so, I mean, just hopefully everyone, everyone stays healthy. I mean, there's only so much you can do. You can't play scared. Um, they'll just do what they do, control what they can control and try to win the game. Yeah. As I think about it, Chris, like with Trevor Lawrence helming this offense, I'm not really sure which defense Clemson faced this year that had the most success against Clemson just to model out, like, you know, what is it, what is a defensive game plan, um, that one could throw at Tony Elliott and his coaching staff? Um, yeah, I, I think you probably trust, um, the defensive line to just kind of control the line of scrimmage to shut down their, their run game. I mean, try to make Clemson one dimensional is, is yeah, well and you can do mm-hmm. playing five DBs. Um, so it's kind of sticking with nickel for, for most of the game. Uh, I, I think that would probably be their best bet. If they could kind of stop ETN running the ball with their front six and then trust your back five to hold up in coverage. Um, that's, that's probably it's not too complicated it's not too mm-hmm. original but I, I, I think that's probably what we'll see yeah that's fair and again they're they are talented you know they it's they may they may lack some experience in spots um and they they truly haven't faced a passer like trevor lawrence but you know that they do have the talent there to potentially come together and put up a good performance yeah and i mean we're only a seven point favorite so it's i think it's about a 75 percent chance clemson wins per Vegas. But on the other hand, that's a 25% chance you can lose. So Vegas obviously thinks that Ohio State's talented enough that they can pull it together, that they can play their best game and, and win. So, I mean, yeah. that's, I think that's why a strong start by Clemson is, is needed. I think if we can get to a strong start instead of playing from behind like we have against Notre Dame, then I mean, we can potentially land the, the knockout punch early, um, keep everyone healthy and, and look to Alabama. Yeah, definitely. I guess, you know, the other, the other component here is um, are they able to turn Clemson over? Does Clemson get sloppy with the ball? Um, Clemson went through a couple of games in a row with interceptions and fumbles earlier in the year. Uh, obviously there's a big, incomplete pass last year's game uh, that was often talked about. So the hope is that doesn't carry over into any sort of makeup calls this year, but um, yeah, I think that just ball controlling the ball, you know, playing sound football for Clemson. uh, We should have the more talented offense to their defense this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I don't think we'll see. Uh, I don't think we'll see Browning, who's a strong side linebacker, trying to cover Allen or or Galloway. Um, Too close. Maybe they maybe they yeah. will, but if they do, I mean that's just going to be a mismatch. And then I think we're going to see Etn kind of leaking out, catching some passes, um, like in, in short yardage situ- situations, just to get him into space, and then 
have him run the ball from there. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Braden Galloway like rerun that Travis Kelsey play again. Maybe have the O-line move. That might be good. But, um, <laughs> you know, where you flip it to the other side of the field and he's got, you know, a convoy of blockers in front. I'd, I'd like to see that involvement this game. Yeah, I mean, he's he's effective just kind of leaking up right through the middle of the field, really. Because, um, I mean, when you have Trevor Lawrence threatening to run the ball with Travis Etienne, the linebackers are going to be playing down. Um, and so once he gets behind them, it's just a short throw. And then uh, like we saw that against LSU, he's, he's plenty athletic enough to make that play. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And they, they had a better defense than this Ohio State unit as well. It's just hard to defend. Cause like, I mean, you're, you keep an eye on Trevor Lawrence, um, and you, you can't be everywhere at once. just like we saw against LSU last year. Yeah. Well, Chris, it sounds like you're pretty confident in a Clemson victory. Um, I don't know if you have a game prediction. Feel free to say if you do. But um, I do want to move on to Alabama. But any parting okay. thoughts on Ohio State? Um, they're a good team. I think they'll probably give us a, their best shot early in the game. If we can survive that, I, I think there's a good chance that, that it could turn into a blowout. Um, but I also think – there's a good chance that, that they could play us tough, that it'll be a good fourth quarter game. Um, so I, I, I think Vegas is, I'm going to say Vegas is right. Cause it's hard for me to argue with them. They're, yeah. they're, so maybe 37, 30. And someone else I know you read a good bit of quacking tiger. He thinks Ohio state's going to go with Boston college's first half approach, which is max protect, you know, keep fields pocket clean and then they're going to just take shots downfield. That was effective for Boston College. Um, I think they were going after, I forget if DK was playing in that game or not, but um, that is a formula early on. Again, if they are able to sign me the pass rush, um, really challenging the secondary, especially if we have, you know, backup safety in there. Um, and Xander's has been a PI machine as well. That's worth noting. So um, that could be the game plan early for them. And, you know, then that, then that does become a tighter game throughout then that can introduce variance. So we'll just have yeah. to see. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, though, we didn't have Tyler Davis in that game. I mean, I could totally see that happening. Right. But, I mean, that – I mean, you're going to have he's to a, stop. He's a double, right? He, he that, that's right. He's a double and team. If you're not – if teams aren't doubling Tyler Davis, they're doubling Brzee. And so mm-hmm. one or the other is going to have a single, a single man that they can beat. Um. And then you have Skalski flying down the middle through the A-gaps. I mean, even if you're doing max protect, I don't think Fields is going to have that much time in there in the pocket. So we'll have to see. If they have the time for longer passing plays to develop, then it's game on. I think mm-hmm. it'll be a tight fourth quarter game. But if they don't, then it could get lopsided. Yeah. So I think that's probably the thing to watch, you know, as Fields has the ball, like, you know, count count from the snap to when when someone's in the backfield um one thing to look at yeah and Landon Zanders is another example of, of a player that was making mistakes at the beginning of the year and we really haven't noticed him too much over the past few games I mean I didn't notice him too much against Notre Dame or, or Virginia Tech I mean I think he's doing I think, yeah, I think he he's hasn't been a liability mm-hmm. that's right that's right mm-hmm. yep yeah it's good um well anyway should be a fun sugar bowl um, I'm bummed for one that we're not able to play that game in California at the Rose Bowl. So I feel like that, that would have been our matchup. Um, 
and it would have been a great matchup, but maybe, maybe in a future iteration of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, the Rose Bowl would have been fun. I mean, it looks beautiful. I've never been to the Rose Bowl, um, but sunny California is always great this time of year. Yeah, for sure. Well, we do hopefully get to vanquish the New Orleans Bowl curse, um, the Sugar Bowl curse for Clemson. I guess we've only played one Sugar Bowl. We played a Natty there last year, but let's get that monkey off our back. And uh, maybe, Chris, we can pivot to what we all hope is a national title game rematch number five with Alabama. Uh, what are your kind of initial thoughts on how we match up with that Alabama potent offense? Well, I kind of always take a look at the Vegas spread and kind of go from there. So a month ago, they were a seven-point favorite. So that gives them about a 75% chance to win. And then that's closed um, to a pick them to about even odds. So that was exciting for me to see. Yeah. Um, so the, the Clemson team has gotten better over the course of the year, gotten healthier. Um, I think uh, Clemson is going to be able to score points against that defense. I mean, how – how much can we slow Alabama's offense down is the question. Cause I mean, I think far and away, they're probably the best offense right now. I think they have the better offense in Clemson. Um, but I also think that our defense is much better than their defense. So it, it, that's going to be the matchup, right? How do our cornerbacks hold up um, in coverage? Um, and then can we get some pressure on Mac Jones? Right. And the other thing is their guys are going to eat like they are going to score points in that game. This is going to be one where Clemson's probably going to need to win into the 40s, which we saw in the first couple, I guess the first year, 2015, that that year, that national title game was 45 to 40. I believe the next year it was in the 30s. You could probably put a little bit. I mean, we had great defenses in that game, but a little bit on um, Jalen Hurts in that game, too. I feel like this is going to be a much more high scoring game, but you kind of look back to 2018 and Alabama, they had the high-flying offense. They had all the playmakers. They had a huge stable running backs. They had great wide receiver talent. All these guys that are in the, on this team were on that team as well. And you had Jerry Judy. And for the most part, like Brent Venables neutralized their passing game. And yes, we had the Power Rangers up front generating that type of a pass rush. But I also don't think that Mac Jones is, is Tua. I don't think he's as good as Tua. Uh, he's not as accurate. Um... And I, I think his I think his wide receivers are helping him out out there because he's just kind of throwing it down fall, downfield and then the wide receivers run to the ball and, and go. Yeah, get on, get under it and, and run for touchdowns typically. Yeah. So I mean I want to get I want to get there. I mean we're fans, so we can talk about this, but yeah. I, I just want to I just want the recruiting ammunition against Ohio State, beat them, make fun of them some more for never having won a game against us. Kind of rub it in in their face. That's not a rivalry because they haven't won. Mm -hmm. um, and then go on the yeah, recruiting yeah. trail and just rip Ryan Day for not being able to win the big one and then start taking away some of that recruiting momentum away from him. Yeah, it's a sound strategy. And honestly, I mean, the Alabama game is setting up to be another classic, which is great. And I think we talked, you know, before the show, like having this Clemson team back in the playoff is a little bit of normalcy in a weird year. So um, let's not get ahead of ourselves too much. We got to cherish these games and enjoy them. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, Alabama is going to be a great matchup. I mean, if, hopefully we beat Ohio state, we get there. Um, and then we can kind of dive deep into that game. But, uh, I mean, there's no guarantees where at the point in, in the year where we're playing great teams, um, yeah. 
and this run isn't going to last forever. So we just need to make sure that we enjoy it and appreciate how hard it is to get to this level and, and win these games. And getting to see the seniors and guys like Tra- Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne play their last couple of games in a Tigers uniform. Um, these guys have been special talents and um, it, you know, the memories of Spiller and Taj Boyd and Sammy and Nuke kind of fade into the background. And it's like, I don't know, you gotta, you gotta cherish it while these guys are here. Yeah. And I was just watching uh, like a replay of the 2016 national championship. And I just forgot how good Mike Williams was. I mean, he, he was an outstanding wide receiver. And that yeah. was only a, f- a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, crucial. Yeah. And he's only developed further in the NFL, which is awesome to see. Um, yeah. I, I recently rewatched that one too. Just like the 20 minute recap mode on YouTube and um, just incredible. I actually, a guy that stuck out for me in that game that I, you know, probably not paid the right respect to is, is uh, Jordan Leggett and just yeah. the big, big catches he had in that game. Everyone remembers the ones on the final touchdown drive, but earlier on in that game had a lot of, a lot of clutch catches as did Mike Williams. And I, I think just kind of a, a few predictions for the Ohio state game. Um, I think Brian Galloway is going to have a big game like receiving the ball. Um, and then I think I wouldn't be surprised to see an interception by Andrew Booth. Um, and then yeah. I think, I think Travis will, will have a big game as well. Yeah. I was going to ask if you think he can eclipse, I mean, certainly a hundred all purpose yards, but maybe a hundred on the ground. Is that, is that something you see? That's me tough. Um, yeah. I, I don't think he'll do a hundred on the ground. I could see him doing a hundred through the air. Yeah, that'd be, that would be welcomed, I feel like. Yeah, that's pretty bold, um, but I would like to see it. Right. Sounds good. Well, Chris, thanks a lot. Great to get your insight, as always. Um, you should plug your Twitter. Everyone should be following you. Okay, I think it's uh, CTB underscore Clemson Paws. So awesome. uh, no longer write for Clemson Paws. Uh, I, miss, I miss reading Kraken. Um, but yeah, follow me on Twitter. Um, say hi. Yeah. Will do. Well, thanks a lot, Chris. Really appreciate you coming on. We'll get you back on here soon and uh, enjoy the game on Friday. It's cool that, um, you know, I don't love the fact that they've crammed a lot of the, a lot of the games on New Year's day. I think it takes away a little bit from the playoff um, by having some of those other games played the same day. But on the other hand, it's an amazing day of college football and most of us have off of work. So hope you get to enjoy it. Thanks. Well, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to, to Friday. Uh, It's going to be kind of a highlight of my vacation. Um, So, yeah, hopefully we get a Clemson win. Sounds good. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, We will be back with a a number one in Ohio State Sugar Bowl recap game and a look ahead to Bama. We're also going to be bringing on everyone's favorite Bama Dozer to talk about Alabama, uh, presuming Clemson wins this game. So stay tuned for Dozer. I know everyone loves to hear from that guy. Um, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And as always, go Tigers. 